0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Couldn't be more excited to share today's episode with you. It's all about hypnobirthing. If that's a new term for you, welcome. Hypnobirthing is a wonderful approach to preparing the body and mind for an easeful birth. And today I interview Melanie Byrne. She's the founder of Better Birth Stories, Hypnobirthing and Positive Birth. This is the course, the online course that I took as I prepared for my labor and delivery. She's a senior clinical hypnotherapist, an accredited certified EFT practitioner, and a hugely experienced hypnobirthing teacher. And she shares with us a little bit about her course, about hypnobirthing and hypnosis, what it is. And then we talk a lot about the way birth is set up today and the way women walk into a birth setting that might not be the most ideal birth setting for them and how tools like hypnobirthing can relax the body and allow you to take away some of the fear or the anxiety around birth and really give you a an ability to drop into your body, feel what's happening, and deal with the birth that you have in a way that makes you feel um, like you're part of the process, really. So this conversation was just wonderful. There's so much jam-packed into this episode, and I'm so grateful and so happy to share this conversation and and, and direct you towards Melanie's birth course it truly changed my life it changed my husband's life he was able to support me in ways that I don't think he would have without the knowledge I don't think I would have known how he could have supported me without this course it was so helpful it's super affordable um, betterbirthstories.com is where you can find it and without further ado let's get into the episode So then, what I typically do, and it's been a little while, I took a break from podcasting, becoming a mom, mm. and I actually felt like I was like, "What do I talk about now? Do I talk about mom stuff? What, what was I interested before? Do, like, how do I blend the two together?" But what has come back time and time again for like what I want to share is things that help me, and I think could be helpful for a lot of people as you navigate going into birth and for me it was just so overwhelming and and scary. I hate to use the word scary, but I was I had a lot of fear and I didn't know anything. Um so the one of the first people that popped into my mind was Melanie and I was like, "Adam, I'm going to email Melanie, maybe she'll be interested." Um but really so just to go into like we'll just start. Just to say thank you so much for what you do. I mean, I took your course at least two times full <laughs> through while I was pregnant. <laughs> I found it kind of later in my pregnancy. I think I was already in the third trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gave me such a sense of calm and like oh. I could be in control of my, you know, wh- what preparation I was doing in my body and gave my husband a place to feel like he could be in in, in service or, yeah. you know, supportive in a way. I think it it took away so many questions of what is this going to look like? Um, So, just thank you so, so much for 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 doing this. Thank
1: you. And I'm glad that your husband got involved. Um, We diminished the role of the birth partner. Um, And I I Mm -hmm. obviously say birth partner, not husband, because it could be a mum or a sister or Nana or whoever you want there. But we have diminished the role of the birth partner. So, I think involving them is so important. Otherwise, you know. Why are we disappointed when we find our birth partners sitting in the corner of the room on their iPads or dozing in a chair while mom's laboring if we haven't given them any tools or skills
0: to actually get involved? Totally. So I can't, I'll share more about what we did (laughs) later, but I want to just dive right in because we're going to title this show Hypnobirthing. And then hypnosis is something that I think is really misunderstood. I'm sure you're not, I'm sure you're familiar with that. But when I think of when I thought of hypnosis before I thought of like the person on stage Mm -hmm. who brought people up at some kind of event and then they all started like dancing like a chicken or whatever. Yeah. 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 Oh, Um, eating an
1: apple and they've got an onion. And
0: yeah. um, Right. Sadly,
1: when we see that, the kind of, I mean, they are great stage people. They're, They're great. It's great for show business. We have a lot of it on telly in the UK. Um, but what you are generally seeing is alcohol and exhibitionism. It's not hypnosis. Um, it's suggestibility, which is a part of hypnosis. But no, it's it's for the show. When we I think it's is we divide up hypnosis and clinical hypnotherapy. Um so yes. when we're doing <laughs> hypnobirthing, we're we're definitely in the realm of hypnotherapy, as opposed to that. The show business side of it, which
0: which is grim, yes. <laughs> but we've all
1: seen the yeah, shows. We've all seen the shows clucking like chickens, and yeah,
0: yes. So when I think people put the two together, they're like, okay, hypnosis <laughs> and birthing. Like, why would that be something that's valuable? And I'd love for you to just you know b- break those yeah. apart for us. <laughs> it's really
1: interesting because when I started, it was very much hypnosis for childbirth. And we were very much using hypnosis as a tool to reduce painful sensations during labor and to give confidence. Um, I was also seeing people for birth trauma because I work in trauma and um, with people who have post-traumatic stress disorder. So it was a tool to make someone give them the ability to move through labor confidently and to reduce any uncomfortable sensations they might be feeling. That's where we were at. Um, Hypnobirthing really came about because what we noticed was it's not just about the sensations. It's not just about the confidence. It's about being able to understand birth and the birth landscape and how the birth landscape is going to affect what's going on in your head and how what's going on in your head is going to be affecting what's going on in your body and what's going on in your body is going to be affecting the birth landscape and what's going on with people around you. And, and it's that interconnectedness that tends to path the way for a really great birth or a really awful one. Um, mm-hmm. So hypnobirthing came about utilizing that that wonderful section of hypnosis, of hypnotherapy, where we give confidence and we give the great mindset for going into birth and we give the skills to be able to focus and to consider how we're feeling as we go through birth and through labour and out the other side. But then it also gives the opportunity to learn a little bit about the belief systems of the people in your birth landscape and how that's going to affect your birth. Because more and more now, I'd say sort of eight times out of 10, if there's a bad birth taking place, it's because the birthing person didn't truly understand how that system they were going into worked and that system Mm -hmm. wasn't woman centred which seems like a crazy thing for me to say, considering yeah. <laughs> it's birth is all about women. Um, right. But it's not woman centered. Um, and that's becoming more and more and more apparent. So I think that's where hypnobirthing is at the moment. It's it's really mm-hmm. turning around now and looking at these these birth spaces, um, whether you're birthing at home or in a hospital or in an obstetric unit um, and just seeing if they're really fit for birth. Um, so that's really about hypnobirthing. I, I often say it's, it is a study of three spaces, you know, what's going on in your head. Cause that's going to affect everything. What's going on in your body. Mm-hmm. What do you know about birth? How is your baby? What's it up to? And then where are you birthing? Because where you birth will, we know have an effect on the type of birth you have and potentially the experience mm-hmm.
0: of birth you have. Absolutely. And one of the things that was so powerful for me to learn through your course was just when you broke it down to say like, we're mammals, mm-hmm. here's how other mammals birth, here's some of the settings, here's some of the body language you'll see in an animal who is not overthinking anything, uh-huh. is just reacting to what's happening, allowing what it, what is going on in their body to happen versus the way we see birth portrayed on TV. Uh-huh. And maybe like for me, that was some of my only insight ahead of time to birth was like, coaching from doctors being told what to do it's kind of the opposite oh, and just like breaking it down like that i was like this makes so it's much funny, sense it? it's like a
1: curtain <laughs> you just open the curtain
0: and go oh we're mammals
1: and that's really important to understand we are mammals but we've lived in a society that went through well, even victorian times you know how women were perceived to be how women were meant to behave We weren't meant to be animalistic. We weren't meant to be mammals. We were women and we were ladies and we were meant to behave in a certain way. And I think we have this huge hangover in maternity services. And if people don't see normal birth, and by normal, I mean physiological, vaginal birth, their only experience of birth before giving birth is that episode of Friends or what Mm -hmm. they've seen on ER or Grey's Anatomy, which we know are terrible portrayals of birth because they tend to be lying back in a bed being shouted at to push. And I think for all of us, when we suddenly realise that, you know, there's no farm animal or animal in the wild that's going to lie down on its back and be shouted at by the other animals to do something, the whole idea of the livotomy position – that is lying on your back with your knees up um, with your feet in stirrups, was only ever meant to benefit the gentleman caregiver. That's where it came Mm -hmm. from. It was never about us. And if we start looking at mammals and how they birth, you know, they don't have the fear that we have, but that could be linked potentially to our, we have a larger cortex, um, a bigger thinking brain, so we can overthink stuff. but. Yeah, we we've just followed this path of medical birth and disconnected ourselves from the animals that we are. Um for, for plenty of different reasons, whether that's religious or whether that's just societal. Um I often joke with my clients that um they they should expect to make noise. You know, we don't think of um oh I'm getting alerts. Am I still actually attached? Oh yes, good. All this technology. There
0: we go.
1: (laughs) I was like, what does that say? Um, No, that's good. Yes, we um, totally lost my thread then. We are constantly bombarded with images of what it means to be a well-behaved woman. Mm. And that doesn't include making a lot of noise. Now, we know that all mammals make sounds in labor and all mammals move in labor. But we haven't been shown that either on TV and film. We haven't been, we're not talked to about that. As we, as we prepare for our births, as we meet our midwives or obstetric nurses or obstetricians, we're not told, you know, you're going to get up and you're going to move around and, and that's going to help. We are so uh, preconditioned to go into a hospital and lie down. And the minute Mm -hmm. we go to bed, take to the bed, we know that a big catalogue of issues can become Mm -hmm. apparent from the reducing of the space in the pelvis to the pain levels that will rise from not being able to move with baby. We stop using gravity. It's like common sense has gone out the window because we were taught to be compliant, polite ladies. But that's not Mm -hmm. the case. We're mammals. We are mammals, we're meant to move, we're meant to make a sound. Um oh that was it. And as I say to my clients, you know, if you were watching a weightlifter, for example, as they picked up their enormously heavy weight, you would hear a uh, from the weightlifter. You would not watch this weightlifter walk out and hold their breath <laughs> try and pick up this no. humongous weight, going. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, the more you think like, about it, the more ridiculous while I do this. Yeah. it becomes. Um, but we live in a yes. society where tennis players, for example, women tennis players were being fined for making sound as they were hitting the ball. Right. I, don't, I think it was Monica Stannis, yes. wasn't it? And she, every time she hit the ball, she went, oh, the aggression, the sound, the the power was behind her. And she got fined for that, if I remember rightly. Whereas there was no comment on the male tennis players. And we also, as women, we don't take up space very much. So we sit on the tube or train and we have our our knees very tight together. And it doesn't matter that we've got some guy sitting next to us with his legs way apart and, and taking up so much space. We've almost been taught to take up a little bit of space and to be very compliant. And this, of course, this is going to thread all the way through how we approach birth. So when we teach hypnobirthing, it really is about pulling that back and saying, okay, you're going to do something mammalian. You're going to do something that's going to feel a little bit animalistic. It's going to feel very raw. And don't be
0: afraid of that. This is the right way to approach it. You know? Yes. Oh my (laughs) God. All of these things are just, it's so, it's so, it's so sad to me. Mm. I mean, even thinking back to, I switched providers a few times. I did like some started with an obstetrician and like the only thing they said to me, and I kept leaving the appointments and saying to my husband, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right. This particular provider just doesn't feel right. I didn't even know what midwifery care was at the time. So I remember her saying, yeah, it's really going to hurt. I thought I could do it without pain meds, but I was wrong. I've always gotten epidural with all three kids. And just the way she talked about it it was like, you're just going to come in here and and get the pain meds and basically do what you know everyone else does. Yeah. Like this is how it's done. And also then learning that a lot of um providers have never seen this animalistic birth um, before. Yeah. They're only trained to view it in a very narrow medical lens yeah. with tons of interventions. And so they have no like framework for even acknowledging how birth can be done or is done or was done before it was in the hospital setting. And
1: you don't have um, a large and well-integrated midwifery service in the States. I mean, in Mm -hmm. the UK, Mm -mm. we have a lot of flaws in the UK. The NHS is struggling, Um, but we do have a a thick vein of midwifery for, for normal, straightforward birth. And then we have obstetrics if something gets a bit tricky if a mum or a baby need a bit of help and we often say that you know an obstetrician is not going to have the same experience of birth as a home birth midwife and we have a very uh, well integrated home birth unit in each hospital as well and that that's fair you know that that's not their window that's not their experience and that's not what they are there for So if you want a home birth, you get a home birth midwife because that is their their absolute knowledge. If you need more help, if you are poorly or if baby's poorly, you have an obstetrician because that's where you're (laughs) going to need to be. And I think what's happening in the States and in many other countries around the world is women are now going, I don't want to lie down. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be a passive part of the birth this is a rite of passage my life is about mm-hmm. to change completely this is is a big experience for me and it you know any life changing experience you expect to be pretty dramatic and quite big and joyful and i think what we've done to women is we've said lie down be passive we'll take all the feeling away we'll do it for you here's your baby mm-hmm. and i do wonder if that that entry into motherhood, yes, it hasn't been arduous. Um, it hasn't been hard, uh, or maybe t- taken a very long time. I mean, I'm not going to diminish C sections in any way, shape, or form. I've had one, um, but we've taken something really vital away from women. Um, in very much the way I think that we took away our menage, you know, when you start your periods and we diminished that mm-hmm. for women as well, didn't we? We made it a little bit under the counter. Yes. I remember, you know, when I, I'm 50 now, when I got my first period, uh, my period products were called sanitary products because obviously I was dirty somehow. And they were given to me by the shop in a little brown paper bag. So, you know, me with my brown paper bag and the boozer with his brown paper bag, round his bottle of booze. You know, And so we removed the first rite of passage, which was our entry into womanhood and the start of that journey. So in a way, it makes sense that we then removed the next rite of passage, which was the, you know, into motherhood. So maybe I overthink these things. I, I wonder if I do sometimes. But no, I I've we, never... We've stripped back what it means to be a woman because the system at play was male-run and the hospital system is a technocratic system. It views the body as a machine. And what we're doing with hypnobirthing is we're saying the body <laughs> isn't disconnected. It's not, you know, when Descartes said the mind and the body <laughs> weren't connected, he was wrong. We know this from... Uh, modern neuroscience and what we refer to as mind-body medicine, what you think has physical effects on your body. Um, and that rite of passage of going from not being a mum, not being a parent, into being a parent should be big. It, it shouldn't mm. be just washed away with a sterile cloth. It's it's about this, this yeah. path that we take. And as long as the path, you know, the people surrounding you and caring for you respect you, you are informed, you feel safe, you feel loved, then that journey to motherhood can be absolutely remarkable, can be wonderful. And you get that euphoric sense and women feeling uh, held and cared for and loved by their community as they move into another stage of their lives. Um, Unfortunately, that's just not happening for everyone, whether that's in the UK or in the US or wherever. You know, we're not looking after mums. We're not seeing this as a rite of passage it's almost becoming a, a tick box, um, or, uh, an insurance claim.
0: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. An insurance claim for sure. <laughs> just looking at what it costs to give birth <laughs> in a hospital setting. It's just, it's shocking. It's not um, fair. It's not fair. The sitter system that you have to play
1: with. I mean, we have, um, the Facebook group and that is global mm-hmm. because of the online course. um, and we have faults with our NHS. I mean, I'm not going to sing. it's. I, mean, I love it. We have um, free at the point of use healthcare, uh, which is an amazing, positive, wonderful thing. But even it has been falling down. We've had some big scandals recently. But it breaks my heart when someone is posting in the room saying, I will only get six weeks off from work. I, mm. <laughs> you know, I'm on my knees. I can't possibly stop working now um what do I do and and you know it's so hard and it and I do ban anyone from the UK from going oh bad luck we've got an NHS because you know that's rubbish right um but again it's just these countries are not looking after women they're not looking after families we've become maybe so twisted in our logic of who's responsible for whatever, you know, it's everyone out for themselves. But that that saying works particularly well for men. It's every man out for himself. The women are kind of the ones that have to take on a lot of emotional and physical burdens, but without societal support.
0: Support. Yeah. I mean, I remember before my maternity leave, someone at work saying to me, oh my gosh, you're going to be gone for three months. Like, <laughs> And I remember thinking, that's a long time. Like, what am I going to do? And I don't even remember that time that I took off, and it was not a vacation. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's, it just is so much. Like from what you're saying, it's so misunderstood. It's like misunderstood. It's misrepresented, and then you have women going into it kind of blind, mm-hmm. with the, only the images they've seen on TV, mm-hmm. with maybe providers that aren't necessarily talking about supporting them. Mm-hmm. So what what else is going to happen? Mm-hmm. But they're going to go in unprepared, mm-hmm. scared. Mm-hmm. And just saying, you know what, I trust this medical provider, mm-hmm. just get this baby out. And that's, that's fit, fine. And, and, you know, but that doesn't have to be. And there's people that want more yeah. from that experience. Yeah. Um, and there's some people that don't know that they might want more too. And so there's two, know, two sides When I'm it. working
1: in birth trauma, that is the big line. You don't know what you didn't, know. <laughs> you didn't you know. You don't know what you don't know. When you tumble out the other side and plenty of women have great births even if they don't prepare. I mean, we have to be aware of that. But for many, as they tumble out the other side and suddenly go, why didn't I know about this? Well, you know, there isn't the system at play to ensure that you did know about it. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not normalising normal birth. And as I said, we've had a couple of scandals in the UK recently and a normal birth, physiological vaginal birth, got blamed for it, which was a bit unfair because... The births at question weren't normal, physiological, spontaneous births. They were births that had been tampered with, whether it's by induction of labour or for any other need. Um, But then post all of this uh, cascading of intervention that took place, someone was still sitting there going, oh, but we don't want a high C-section rate. So let's just see how it goes. So we have the same issues in the UK. But we do have a better setup for new mums. But nothing's similar, nothing is how it used to be. I mean, if you go back in time, mm. um, there's a lovely book actually that everyone should read by Rachel Reed um, Childbirth as a Rite of Passage. And she talks about the gossips. And I did not know this before I read the book, but gossips were the women who attended the woman who was going to give birth. So as a woman was going to give birth, the men folk were bumped out of the house and the women folk came in. Sisters, friends, aunties, nannas would all come in. They would look after the older children. They would cook food, do the laundry. Mm. They would talk and, and care and look after the birthing mum. They would support her. And they were called the gossips. And And what happened to that word? You know, women supporting women suddenly became gossips. And gossip yes. no, it's a was a good word it was a word that of women, sure. and women but at a time when women weren't really wanted to be <laughs> without men looking after them in some way so it's it's really interesting um when you start to peel back the layers of how we've got to where we are um mm-hmm. with intervention with uh, a medicalized way of giving birth Um, And also, you know, we have evidence, we have the studies that have said continuity of care. So knowing who's looking after you, who's caring for you in birth is one of the best things you can have. And midwifery care is one of the best things that you can have. We had the Lancet study um, that was published in 2020 that showed very clearly that the safest place for a woman to give birth is at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, home birth within a well-integrated home birth setup in the country, you know, not just Alone. Any, any country. <laughs> you know, this, this is very much looking yeah. at birth in the UK. But if you do have an amazing home birth team, you know, that is the safest place for a woman and it's just as safe for a baby. But we've been mm-hmm. told it's it's so ingrained in us that safety is hospital.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: safety in childbirth is obstetrics and medical mm-hmm. care. That it is hard for us to get our head around studies that show hands down the safest place is a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, with idea that idea that medicine knows best, and, and I promise you in a lot of situations medicine will know best, this is, you know, if you've got preeclampsia, please go to hospital to give birth. That was exactly.
0: me. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, you yeah. have and to there's sometimes the safest yeah.
1: place for you. Um, so yep. it's never a case of just yep. saying everyone should home birth, everyone should midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to be appropriate for everyone. However, we do have issues with things such as post term birth, induction of labor, mm-hmm. where the evidence isn't clear, um, where the evidence for inducing everyone at a set date isn't good. And yet we still do it. But it's become so culturally accepted. So a part of our psyche that everyone believes that it's very dangerous for someone to go on carrying their baby 42 weeks, 43
0: weeks past their due date, yeah. which is, which we feel is like, oh, I'm late now. What? And one day past my due date, baby's late. Baby's not Ever late, babies on time, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right. and also we rewrite yeah. dates. So, and this drives
1: me crazy. Mm. And I've started saying this in my group courses. You know, do you know when you conceived your baby? Because it's surprising the amount of people go, yeah, we know exactly when that baby was conceived. And then I'll say, okay, do your dates match up with the dates you were given from your scan? And they never do. They never do. You know, we have a scan at twelve weeks, and again, sometimes they change the twenty-week scan. And they alter the dates then, even though you could be looking at size of baby, size of person, as opposed to the idea of how many weeks of growth. And we alter the dates. So you can have a woman that that knows she is currently 33 weeks, suddenly being told she's 34 weeks. But it's so culturally ingrained that medicine, that this is the correct thing, that they'll believe it. And that might be absolutely Mm -hmm. fine. But if she's gone over that point of mm. due date, <laughs> then she's over it by a week, then, well, the pressure starts to come. Yes. And then we start bringing Mind in the things like induction of labour that we have normalised so gosh. powerfully that women don't even know to question it, don't even know to go to no. the evidence.
0: Um no.
1: It's just so frustrating. I mean, there are some remarkable people out there writing about birth, blogging about birth, looking at studies. You know, you've got Dr. Sarah Wickham. You've got Rachel Reed. These women are mighty in their work and their output, but not, you know, not everyone knows to access them. And you don't know what you don't know. Um, If your birth book is just telling you that your baby is the size of a tomato, (laughs) <laughs> your baby's the size of a melon. You know, it's missing the opportunity, perhaps, to be asking you: Have you been learning any breathing or relaxation techniques? Mm. Have you looked at due dates? Have you toured your hospital, or have you considered a home birth? Or, you know, we're we, do you know, know your options? It, like... you know, making women just you know, it's pink bows and and your baby's a melon. Not oh have you really looked at, at this experience you're hoping to have? And are you now putting the building blocks in place to try and stack the odds in your favor of having this positive birth experience? Right. Um, you know, one of my, yeah, I was to say, that might be for you, a positive birth might be choosing an epidural in a hospital. Right. It might equal- totally. Giving and that birth in a pool at home. It's, but if you don't read right. about all of those options and understand the pros and cons, yeah. you're not going to make a great decision.
0: And I've been seeing this thing going around where on social media about people shunning women com- for coming in with a birth plan, for coming oh. in with birth preferences, oh. for coming in saying, here's how i like this to go. And I've, I, there was literally a letter being passed around from an, an obstetrician group in New York to their patients saying, we understand the birth plan. They kind of called it like trendy, but here's why it's not helpful for us, basically. And here's why we don't support it. Because we want, you know, a healthy baby and healthy mom. That's the outcome. That's not fair. Like, you're, there's so many steps along the way that are lost by just saying we just want a healthy baby, healthy mom. Of course we oh, do. But that's our that's basic. The, level. Of course we do. You
1: know, that's the that's the that that's the entry line. level. If I was going for lunch <laughs> right. and I only had a fiver and I was in Shea Bruce, which is Michelin starred, then you know that would be my cheapy cheapy basic option. But perhaps perhaps women are worth a little bit more than just that. Mm-hmm. But perhaps we could be gunning a little bit higher and pushing women and childbirth and mothering a little bit higher than perhaps we are. You know, that I find that yeah, so... Absolutely. I mean, we had one as well. I don't know if it's maybe on this, but someone, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who said it, but it was someone who, who made a comment that um, the birth plan length equaled the size of the C section scar or something and it was a male comment it was a, a rubbish thing to say um yeah i suppose if there was a criticism to be made about birth plans perhaps the women originally making the birth plans were putting down their wants but having not done any research about the mm. pros and cons of everything perhaps but here's the deal with a birth plan um, I've even heard hypnobirthing teachers saying their birth preferences. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, well, look, you know, I can plan my weekend. Um, I plan my career. I can plan which schools the kids are going to. Um, I can plan the some holidays. Now, look, none of my plans might come to fruition. No. And I'm old enough now <laughs> to get to grips with the fact that everything I want in life might not come good. I can take that on the chin now. But if I don't set my intention, I'm drifting. I often say to people, it's a little bit like I want to do a side return. We I mean, don't have side returns, do you? It's where we level up our kitchen. It's a, everyone does them on old Victorian houses. How about a loft extension? I'm going to do an extension on my house. Uh, I'm going to have the builder in and I'm going to say to the builder, I want an extension. Okay, thanks. And that's it. And I'm going to leave the builder to do everything. Now, look, there's a good chance that that builder might do a great job for me. He might, his builder, but he doesn't know what I want. You know, it's, it's not my extension, Ben. I've got to live with it afterwards from then on. And if it's not done to meet my specifications, well, that's not going to work for me, is it? Now, look, if he starts digging up a trench outside my house and finds out my entire house is is sliding down the hill or I've got... Dry rot, or I've got any other issue. Well, that's in my contingencies. I'm not going to lose my mind that that is there. You know, I have insurance and contingencies, and I can work around that with that new piece of information. I don't refuse to plan anything because one bad thing might happen, or, or my plans might have to change. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a little bit like um, if you're taking a flight, you might not be aware, but you take off. And there will be hundreds of tiny little changes because of wind, or because of storms, or because of any other reason or any other air traffic before you land again. Now you're going to take off, and you're going to land, and there may well be some changes in between. But you're not just going to drive on regardless, and equally, you're not going to just wave your hands in the air and go, "Well, I quit." Then it hasn't worked for me. Um, it just even as you said it, you know. This doesn't work for us because <laughs> you're just like, I'm sorry, who's giving birth? You know, who's experienced yeah. this? You know, yeah. I hate to say it, and, and maybe an obstetrician, midwife, obstetric nurse may totally disagree with me, but there's a good chance they're not going to remember you. All right. There's a good chance that by the end of the That's year, so true. a lot of these births will yeah. have blended into one. You will just be one of many, 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 many. You will never forget them. You will never forget the experience. And when these two thought processes meet, there can be a little bit of, oh, for goodness sake, just get, do it. I've seen women give yes. birth all the time. Without mm-hmm. really understanding this is a life changing experience for this person that's going into it. This is changing everything and they will never mm-hmm. forget it. Whether it's the first or fourth birth, you don't forget your
0: births. You will never forget how people spoke to you. I, I remember coming back for my eight-week checkup and to my midwife, and she was like, "Oh, let me look back." You know, she had no recollection of mm-hmm. my birth at that point, mm-hmm. uh, Two months later, because, she, and I think part of the problem in in this country anyway is like the number, the volume of patients that providers are seeing at one time, it's really almost impossible mm. for them just, to so be able, UK, so right? Yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Um, And so that's, I mean, there's so many, I think there's so many areas to highlight here that are kind of questionable with when we talk about care mm. for human beings, for human experience, for a, a physiological birth to happen. There's so many elements that just seem to be, just not as thoughtful mm. as they could be. But one of them I think could be the number of patients that these, these doctors or providers or midwives are have to see based on their practice, but that's Mm. just, that's just a side note. Um, but back to your course. So, I mean, there's so much here, like we could spend hours (laughs) and I love this topic so much because I was so unaware myself. And so the point of having you here is just to open this door. And if, if this at all speaks like sparks a curiosity in someone. Oh, I've never thought about this. You know, I'm I'm pregnant or I want to be pregnant, but I've never thought, here's there is so much out there that you you have to find yourself <laughs> mm. because it's not in the mainstream. But one of the most incredible parts of the hypnobirthing course that you taught for me was it was it was a diagram. It was fear, mm. tension, pain. And so birth aside, in life that has been one of the most helpful tips. Like the other day, I pinched my finger in, in something that I was – I forget what it was. And I remember feeling myself tense and being like, this is not going to help <laughs> the pain that I'm feeling. And another example was in pregnancy, after I had taken that part of your course, I got a leg cramp in the middle of the night in my calf, a calf cramp, very common thing to happen. And my reaction was to go, ow, 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 I got a cramp, I got a cramp, I got a cramp, you know, focus on the cramp. Ow, Mm -hmm. ow, ow. ow. And instead I went, can I just breathe here? Can I just allow that this is happening? And I swear to you in almost instantly that cramp went from, you know, being like an eight on the pain scale where I wanted to scream to just dissipating. It just was like, I didn't fight it. I didn't, give it too much of my energy. Mm -hmm. I just kind of let it go and the pain diminished. And so for me, the point of preparation was like, for someone like me, I like to learn. I like to know what's happening. I like to be prepared as much as I can for any outcome Mm -hmm. because I just like knowledge. I like to learn. I want to understand. And that little tidbit of information has helped me in so many parts of my life. It helped me in my birth. It just – just like little things like that, like that you have probably gone your whole life not really understanding the connection between pain and how your body is responding to pain or how your mind Uh is thinking about the pain. Uh So that was so helpful. And I don't know. I just think – I just think there's so much benefit from a course – For birth of hypnobirthing, but just to just to take all that away and just understand the relationship between your body and your experience, or your thoughts and your experience, and how that carries in well beyond what happens in birth. It can carry into nursing. I remember feeling a lot of sensations trying to breastfeed, a lot of guilt, a lot of thoughts are coming up. I, I, you know, a lot of and just being like, there's there's a surrender that can happen to give me some kind of peace (laughs) and. I need to find that. I need to channel that. Um, yeah. I mean, the fear,
1: tension, pain cycle such an interesting one, isn't it? You know, if you are scared, if you are rigid with fear, you're holding all your muscles tense. You're not really allowing your body to do the job it's meant to do. So, and you're probably not breathing very well. When we get very fearful, we breathe very differently. And that sets off a whole Load of things going on between our brain and our body and the autonomic nervous system. So, if we can just look at that, you know, if we remove fear, I mean, it's, it's fine to be scared. You know, I, you know, I get scared doing lots of things in life, but to know that, that's fine. Being scared is a, is a normal human emotion. To be a bit anxious about giving birth is fine. I mean, you, you're anxious on going on a first date, you're anxious getting married. But these things aren't going to send you kind of fleeing, hopefully in the other direction, hopefully. But if you are incredibly tense, you're going to be focusing on the sensations going through your body in a very different way than if you turn around, face them and embrace them. So if we take away that, that rigid fear and that awful tension that we can pin up in our body, you know, squeezing our fists and curling our toes and gritting our jaw... All of these things coming through our body are fighting birth. You know, there's that lovely phrase that we use, you know, floppy face, blah, floppy fanny. Mm-hmm. That okay. I love, you know, relax your jaw, relax your pelvic floor, mm-hmm. but floppy face, floppy fanny. And, you know, then we're just left with, fear, with pain. And we talk mm-hmm. a lot about pain. You know, I'm not going to sit and tell you it's sensation. Some women might say I just felt tension. Some women describe it as felt like a, we said it was like an anaconda or something was squeezing her in the middle. And someone said, yeah, it was painful. I don't want to do it again anytime soon, but it wasn't that bad. You know, right. this is what you came for. And I don't know what you're right. going to feel physically, but I know right. you can do it. You know, people walk over hot coals. People run yes. ultra marathons. You can do hard things. Yes. You know? And I, I kind of say the this pain to my is daughters, the worst thing. Darling, you can do yeah. hard things. You can. Yes. And the more hard things you do, the more confident and the more belief in yourself you will have. And I think when we're going to step into motherhood, when we've taken that 180 degree turn, to be able to step with that confidence that you know you can do, you know, you can do hard things. Yes, it might have felt absolutely mighty. Yes, those surges might have knocked you on your ass. But you know what? Those were good surges. And your body was doing
0: something remarkable, amazing. And there was a purpose behind that. I think it's, that's it's something I learned from you. It's, yes. it's, never,
1: it's not someone just jabbing you with something sharp. Right. You know, there is a, a productive flow, a sense of journeying to this. Now, I'm going to put mm-hmm. a huge caveat in there and just remind that I'm talking about physiological birth here. Um, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about induced birth. You know, there is no denying it. If you have had an induction with a synthetic form of oxytocin, it's going to be more painful. And that's not been being mean or anti-induction of labor. It's just how our systems work. A synthetic form of oxytocin doesn't cross the blood brain barrier. So it's not giving the message to release all your endorphins or your your body's <sighs> morphine that then is what's there to make birth manageable. So when people talk about uh, we see more epidural use, epidural analgesia for induced birth, and that's completely un- understandable because it is mighty. And there are plenty of women that do have an induction and decide not to do an epidural and, and manage to go through with just their hypnobirthing skills, their breathing, their visualizations. But, you know, I, I doff my cap to them because that is hard work. It's a different birth induced birth to a physiological birth. And that's a conversation that we have to have as well, because we're not saying that yeah. to women. We're telling no. women to have an induction, but we're not saying, OK, everything you learned about physiological right. birth is kind of going out the window now. Because mm-hmm. something different is going to be happening in in how this is going. The form and the shape of your labor is going to be very different. So let's talk about this new path that you're going to be taking instead we, yes. we give all the um, drugs and I feel that we throw these women to the lions
0: um, yeah well it's like one intervention leads to another yeah. which leads to another it's like it's kind of this snowball effect it yeah. happened to me and I'll say like the course that you have um, just to like talk, touch more on it, what the offerings are so you do a full training and then there's these there's hypnosis self-hypnosis recordings mm-hmm. which are basically just meditations I think that meditation. can be intimidating hypnosis. yeah? don't you know <laughs> yeah but I think people are like intimidated, no, yeah. you're it's a visualization, and it's so powerful. Oh, and there's partner scripts, like before I would go to bed, my partner was reading me the scripts oh, um, and I would just fall into sleep and then you know, my birth wasn't became an an emergency kind of situation with with um the preclaim so like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, and I'll probably do a separate episode mm-hmm. on like what even that means. and we were. I remember after a couple of days with the visualizations, with um, the, the recordings, with the scripts, we were like, we're rocking this. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, so like, we're doing this. But um, there was a part of me that was feeling, and I'm so, I feel so validated in my experience for you sharing that, that felt, there was a part of my brain was like, this doesn't feel natural Mm. though Mm. there's something different and it it was it was painful and it was long and very medical and I remember having a hard kind of mental separation because I had planned a birth center birth Mm. without any kind of interventions and then to your point like there was a there's a time and a place for medicine and if my life was in danger that was the safest place for me to be Although I had a really hard time with that. No. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? It's hard, isn't it? When you 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 have it was you hard, plan yeah. something, you've looked forward to it, you you've put
1: yourself behind it, yeah. your emotions behind it, you've probably told everyone. And then suddenly you're going, ninety degree turn in the other direction. And it's like yeah
0: oh, damn, you know, like poked, prodded the whole thing. But still like the tools that you can learn through keeping yourself relaxed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to, I I know for a fact that if I hadn't done all that preparation, I already had fear, but if I hadn't worked on just letting that fear Mm -hmm. exist and not rule my decisions around, or, you know, how I was feeling about my birth, um, I can only imagine how my experience yeah. in the hospital could have been otherwise. Yeah, you can, I mean, we did, you can uh,
1: start reading from we those changes and you see panic yes. building in people. You know, yes. I often yep. I say in the course, I think that, you know, after I teach the basic breath for some women, that's that's mm-hmm. all they use. Just mm-hmm. the ability to be able to just go to something as simple as your breathing technique. And Mm -hmm. to pull you back from the panic, to pull you back from the poking and the prodding and the vulnerability and all the busyness that's going on around Mm -hmm. you and just be able to go, I'm just breathing in and I'm just breathing out. Mm -hmm. And even that act, bringing the oxygen in, calming the breath, telling the body and the mind, look, clearly everything's okay. I'm not panic breathing. It, It makes a huge change. Even if you are having an induced birth, even if you are having an unplanned caesarean, the skills you have will always be there for you. I mean, goodness, Absolutely. when I teach the basic breath, I teach it to anyone. You know, I'm working in an anxiety course at the moment and I've just done the first chapter of skills and drills. And the first thing in the first chapter of the skills and drills is the basic breath, getting mm. people to breathe, to stop to pause and to get oxygen into their body in a steady, relaxing way. It's a life changer. Gosh, if I could get everyone in this world to just take a few relaxing breaths each day, wouldn't that be nice?
0: Seriously. Sometimes I think about that when I'm like, let me take a breath. Have I been breathing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, I need to take a mindful breath. Everyone can do it right now. It just Mm. feels like it's so... It's so basic mm. and it's so fundamental. Yeah, and you feel <laughs> and your it's shoulders we're not. Because we all let our yes. shoulders
1: get higher and higher and right. higher to our ears. And when we breathe, we notice mm-hmm. that and we let them these heavy weights drop down to their, yeah. their natural position. And just being allowed to center yourself to, to settle yourself again. It's it's so nice. But going back to that mm-hmm. that you know, that cascading, you know, if a and your bile acid levels are too high preeclampsia you know there's plenty of reasons why you might need more help but you, we have to let women know that when we do induce birth we drop women into their labor further along than you would have been at the very start physiologically does that make sense so normally you have yes. a very slow and steady right. build and you're allowed and to for the baby too with it. yeah yes. But when we induce, what tends to happen is you're dropped about half a mile further in than you would have been at the start. Um, Mary Cronk, who was a very famous midwife, described it as uh, birth is a synchronized swimming team and that everyone knows their part and everyone knows what they're doing and they're all very elegant in the water. But induction of labor is like pushing one of the synchronized swimming team and just hoping that the rest will know what's going on and can jump in and follow and carry on um and that's a wonderful way of describing that yes induction of labor will work for some but it won't work for others um and i don't think we're honest about that either it might not work it might take days days
0: yeah i think people think they've booked oh in for an induction and they'll be out that evening they think it'll be Yes. yeah, so, and, and they say that to you. They're like, some women. And like, oh, great. Now I feel good about myself. Which is true. Yeah. yeah. They're like, some women, all they need is a little of this. And then oh. all of a sudden their body takes and over. Even that
1: language drives me crazy. That, that it's just a whiff. It's just a, a little drip of oxytocin. It's just a little thing. Mm-hmm. There is no little thing. There is no mm-hmm. little thing. The minute we do something to push labor, we've changed labor. And that can be great. And that can be incredibly negative. But if Mm -hmm. we can't have an honest and open dialogue about birth, we are setting women up to fail. Um, And that's hugely disappointing. So that's why the online course has the talk about normal physiological birth and mammals and how it should be working, all the skills and drills. And then it goes on to say, look, that might not be. What happens for you? Um, You know, and I can't in that course go into huge amounts of depth about induction of labour, about post-term birth, about the arguments for and against, which is why there is sort of signposts. But, you know, really trying to bring home this is a massive move, a big move, a big decision, and you've got to be well versed in it. You've got to understand the evidence. It's not enough, I don't believe, it's not enough to just go, yes, (laughs) yes, okay, you know even if it is really important you want to go yes okay what reading have you got i need to learn about this mm. how's it going to feel mm-hmm. how's it going to change the birth what should i expect how long will it take will i be here very long or will it take a long time um And, you know, when you've got people saying in a very offhand way, because, again, you're probably the fifth person they've seen that day. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Just do what I say. You'll have a baby. You want a healthy baby, don't you? Mm, A little dose Mm -hmm. of emotional blackmail at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not getting the, the big picture. And you might need that induced labor. You might need to see your baby earlier. But that doesn't mean you don't deserve the big picture. As I said, we are old enough and smart enough to be able to take bad news on the chin and be able to navigate the best path out of that. I think that's fair when we, we're diminishing women in birth too much, which is crazy considering everyone on this earth came out of a woman. Everyone. I think about that all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, oh, don't make a fuss. You know, it's not a big yeah. deal. It's funny that, isn't it? You know, and I I can only assume, and I I am going to sound like a raging feminist because I am. (laughs) I can only assume because we've, we've lived in a very um, paternalistic society for quite a few hundreds of years now uh, that hasn't really centered women in dialogue. We know this. We know this from crash test dummies to aspirin doses. Women have not really been considered. So, bringing women to the fore i know it surprises people to think that something that women do giving birth hasn't actually been centered with women in mind it sounds mad but unfortunately it's true to a certain degree yeah. mm.
0: and i like to think it that it's changing i feel like i think so there's so much information like even talking to my mother about her I don't think anyone had asked my mother her birth story or my, mm. I remember sitting with my mother and her, her sister, my aunt. And I asked them both like, Oh, like, would you share your birth stories? And I could feel there was so much in there that they never really shared or felt like it was, mm. I think to your point, it was just women give birth. That's what they mm. do. And here's what you do. You go to the hospital and this is what happens. And then they, there's episiotomies and they use mm. forceps. And I found out that my mother and my aunt had these, I just was sitting there, like you had what done? They did what to you? Yeah. And they were just like, yeah. And that's just the way it is, I think. And it doesn't have to be. And there's, there's. I'm just so grateful for courses like yours that just bring you right into like, let's talk about this. Yeah. Like, this is not just you walk to the hospital, you have your baby come home, mm-hmm. no big deal. It does. It's going to be a big deal no matter how mm-hmm. it goes down because it's a big <gasps> deal to, to birth a human being. Yeah. Um. And let's, let's not just walk in passively um, to this type of event. Yeah. Let's go in as prepared as we can. I like to, you know, because of the, what happened with me, like, let's talk more about inductions and yeah. what that yeah. could look like. Let's talk about cesareans. That might not be what you want. And we're not going to at all manifest yeah. something that you don't want. But the reality is that... That might happen. <laughs> you should... Right. It might happen. Yeah. And then you could find yourself in a situation where you were not thinking about and in hindsight have all these thoughts about what could have been or what, what choices could I have had. Um, and that's
1: why, you know, on the course, just, we have that birth plan. Yes. And it's a one page yep. and there is a box for C-section. And you might not think mm-hmm. you're going to have a C-section. You might not sure. have it, but I want you to fill the box in. You yes. know, you have to, and to fill the box in, yes. you've got to do some reading. And you've mm-hmm. got to go and watch those videos of watching births at the end of the course. So yes. you have to know about all of it so that you can pick the best path you mm-hmm. as you go through it you know your plans mm-hmm. might change that's not a problem There's not a problem if your plans mm-hmm. change we're old enough and sensible enough to work our way through changes it's diminishing mm-hmm. when we tell women that they shouldn't plan birth it's diminishing it's saying don't be so silly silly woman and i find that yes. very offensive very
0: offensive. um yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm so grateful for this discussion and to pass this on to people and just plant the seed of like, mm. you know, cause I know everyone's different and I know people that have gone into birth unplanned and had a wonderful mm. experience. And I've, you know, everyone, you have to find what feels good for you mm. and know that what feels good for you is right mm. for you. And you get to go into a setting, even if it is a highly medical setting and say, here's what is okay with me mm. and here's what's not with a with a informed background yeah, of what you're yeah, making decisions on.
1: To center yourself yes. in what you are about to do. And I think women aren't centering themselves. They have been taught to think of their baby. We have a culture that says it, it's the baby. And that's fine, but who's mm-hmm. going to be looking after the baby? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Um, are you <laughs> going to have any more babies afterwards? Or not, right. depending upon that experience. Right. It's not just a healthy baby is not all that matters. And I know when no. I say that to pregnant women, they're like, back of their mind, buddy ears. But it's not. You matter too.
0: You yes. matter. Oh,
1: You're the beginning, the middle, and the end you. of the entire process. You know, it's you. You sign on the dotted line, no one else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to center mm-hmm. women back into this experience and their birth partners, to bring their birth partners into what is An amazing, crazy, joyous, scary, wonderful journey and make sure that they are, you know, integral to that birth because they need to be they need to be the gossips
0: <laughs> but, yes. you know, I want to bring back the gossips I, gossips. I need
1: more gossips in my life
0: <laughs> I mean I'm like can everyone just come over and you oh imagine. my goodness it, me even our gossips have beautiful. become passive and lazy
1: they come around and expect you to go in the kitchen and make them cups of tea and give them cake and they hold the baby no 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 yes. the role of the gossip is to do your laundry and, and make your coffee and and mm-hmm. you know keep an arm baby while you shower but do all the boring stuff that you don't really need to do while you sit with your mum bun in your bed, learning how to Right. There's a start- whole
0: thing of like, well, I feel fine. It's like, that doesn't matter. Like, this is a time where there should be mandatory rest. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter how good you feel. Uh-huh. <laughs> your body has done a lot. Yes. You've, you've been depleted of a lot of nutrients yeah. that you just have given to a new life. And so... I mean, that's like a whole nother topic, oh, the postpartum. Oh, about so do, do talk a topic about another the 40 thing days, is- the first 40 days. I can't remember what it's first, called in yeah. South America, in Mexican, or there's there's a word oh. for it, and I
1: don't know what it is that describes this culture that says for the 40 the days. The fourth trimester. Yeah, of, the post-birth. Yeah, the 40 you, days. Mum does nothing. She just hangs out, learns about her baby, mm-hmm. feeds the baby, and we go in and feed mum. highly nutritious food. We look after mum. We nurture mum. I think it's the space where Lotus birth sits as well. And Lotus birth is where mm. the umbilical cord isn't cut. So mum takes home a baby with an umbilical cord attached to a placenta in a basket, which sounds a bit crazy, but you're not going to be getting up trying to sling on your jeans and go shopping. If you're trying to right. carry a baby and a placenta, it's it's a kind of a bit of a ball and chain, but it's of all about that culture of mum having rest time and Bonding time. Oh yes, you're going to have to find someone who does all of that and do a podcast on that. I would love to hear
0: that. Oh my gosh, no, that'll definitely be something. There's so much there, and similarly, a topic that people are. And myself, I plan all for the birth. I plan nothing for postpartum. Really, I just I was so focused on the birth, the birth, the birth. And I remember someone saying to me, "What happens when you have the baby after?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I'll deal." You sit like the rest (laughs) of us, yeah. When you sort of put the baby on
1: the little bassinet next to you, and you both look at it and go. What happens now? Oh, gosh. (laughs) What now? Yeah. (laughs) Where's Uh, the label? The cooking instructions?
0: Where's the... (laughs) Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Well, we have a few minutes left. Mm. Um, And, oh, my gosh, we covered so much. The last little bit, I just want to talk about you and a little bit of, like, how you... You help so many women, I know, and and we didn't even talk about, I'll do the proper introduction of you later with all the other ways that you support women besides just this birth course. I mean, there's so much, but how do you then take care of yourself? And, and there's so much emotion behind a lot of the yeah. stuff that you're teaching and like the feminist side of you. Like, I know that for me is something that I can get really, I can hold on to a lot of the, that while I'm trying to then... You know, uh, make the world a better place and somehow. So how do you take care of yourself? How do you I've nurture learned yourself? To through practice this?
1: what I preach.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I mean that and it took me a while, but I do uh, work using EFT tapping a lot, which is a kind of a, a family member of acupuncture and acupressure but it's really accessible. So I do a lot of tapping. If the world is driving me mad, I have a 13-year-old and two 10-year-olds. So, and a small dog. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah.
0: <Of course. laughs> so um,
1: I, I definitely spend a lot of time um, running. I run a lot, actually. That That's my um, thing. I have audible books and I run long distances. So I have a trail marathon this Sunday. You can pity me as I'm running around the South Downs this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's and I think we've reached that point in our lives. Um I've officially I believe gone into crone stage from a book I was reading recently. So as a, as a crone, um I now very much enjoy looking after myself and doing my tapping, doing my running, um and hanging out with my my not so small people anymore. Oh my god. I know 13. Can you believe it? And I'm it's as teenager. fresh as the day she first arrived. <laughs> you don't forget, guys. Oh. Um, but yes, yeah, so I can highly extol the virtues of using EFT tapping and running long distance. That. Put your trainers on. Mm-hmm. Keeps so mm-hmm. many mums I know sane running. Mm-hmm. I, yoga, my mind's too busy. Running, I'm just going, mm-hmm.
0: ah, I'm dying. Ah, it's so tiring. Ah, when can I stop? <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, and that's so important too, just to share the things mm-hmm. that like, you know, we can help as mothers to so much of the focus is on parent mothering mm. your kids and parenting mm. and being there for them um but we know that being there for ourselves and sometimes in the early days I will say I feel like I have a one and a half year old I feel like I'm still oh, you're
1: right in the thick right of the, thick the thick hate. Of yeah
0: um but just I have started getting childcare, and so I'm the point of this is filling the mother up supporting yeah. the mother um or the the birthing person the the person who is giving a lot at whatever stage you are in life if, if it's parenting um just realizing how important it is to find the things that keep you whole mm. and that's going to keep your family whole um and the letting I think that's go. so worth
1: you know from the minute you give birth the letting go starts and i've been thinking a lot <laughs> about this you know, and it's letting go to hand over to someone else or letting go physically Mm. to to give birth, letting go to school, letting go for sleepovers, letting go for university. And there you are again. So if you haven't looked after yourself Mm. during that journey, when they've all gone off, it's going to be a very empty space in your body and mind. So remembering that with each letting go that you're doing, you've got to fill a little bit in again as well that. so that yes. you know you don't lose yourself on the journey you know and when you become a menopausal <sighs> so old crone that. like me you know, you can... <laughs> you've got lots of other things going on
0: what book is this that talks about stages oh, of wait, life you know what? The it's crone. actually it was in
1: the book I mentioned earlier the um childbirth is the rite of passage so I've referenced oh, that wonderful. book so many times today with the gossips and the crone mm-hmm. <laughs> that tickled me pink but um <laughs> You know, it's, it's about these journeys. And, you know, my rite of passage now will be menopause. So it's really interesting. And, and being able to see that journey through puberty, that journey into mothering, that journey from mothering into a whole different part of your life. And, and to be able to yeah, center yourself through that, you know, looking after ourselves is so vital. I love the fact that you're doing this podcast, you know, looking at women, centering women, discussing our issues and problems mm-hmm. in a world that, that doesn't really give us much stage time,
0: airtime. No, mm. airtime. I know. It's so it's so true. And I hope to just be a little bit of change in that and like just be pushing the wave mm. and pushing people towards you because I, I didn't mention this, but I found your course to be so attainable financially as well. We were not in a place when I was pregnant, um, there was another b- course option that was hundreds of dollars, and I was so I wanted to, you know, I wanted the knowledge. I, and then I found your course, and then I, I shared it with everyone. I was like, "This is, I mean, for what you charge for it, I mean, it, it was it was just the perfect. It's so accessible because you do it that way.
1: Oh, I'm so glad um, you said that because it was the first yeah. online course I've made, and I'm building one for anxiety. Yeah. And I'm going to try and sculpture one together for birth trauma. And I think perhaps if if COVID (laughs) taught us anything. I'll take it. I'll send them over. Um, (laughs) But if COVID taught us anything, it taught us that we are able to learn remotely when perhaps we Mm -hmm. thought we weren't. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have hugely deep pockets at the moment. So being able to do all of these things at a more reasonable outlay, especially when you've got, you're having a baby, my goodness, there's so many other things you're going to need, um, Mm. without trying to bankrupt yourself in the process. And learning in your own time is quite nice as well, isn't it? Being able Mm -hmm. to just being able to retake now, you know?
0: Yeah. And I was like, I retook it. You're able to take, I just logged in now. I still have access to it, you know, for the next Baby, if if that's a thing, um. So yeah, thank you so much. I, I will wrap up oh, here you. with all of this information um, and sending people your way. So I just want to share um where people can find you. I know you have a little bit of a social media presence too. So if you would share, at
1: social media, but I do have a little presence.
0: <laughs> yes, and the group was on Facebook too that you get involved Mm. in um through taking the course was wonderful I love our
1: Facebook group I think out of I'm not a a huge fan of Facebook but I think our little piece that we've we've carved for ourselves is Mm -hmm. actually a really lovely place to be isn't it
0: and you posted directly back to my comment I remember this too you're so active on there which it just makes it feel so personal like um you know, you're really involved and it just, it, it feels like, it, it just makes such a difference. I remember posting, you know, my story, like my birth totally didn't go the way I planned at all, but like I felt more prepared than if I hadn't been trained mm. to kind of visualize myself walking down the stairs to the beach. Uh, <laughs> and you wrote back and, and uh, so I just, thank you. Aww. Thank you so much. Oh, is what I'm trying to say. Thank
1: you. You've been so welcoming and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you i'm gonna go and have to listen to all of the other podcasts now <laughs>
0: <laughs> well this is starting a new leaf so like from you on it's going to be um some birth there's more birth focus and mm. i can't wait to dive into just so more many more of these topics oh, and how wonderful. thank you so much wow. pleasure Thanks for tuning in, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed chatting with Melanie. She's just so wonderful. And please share this podcast with anybody that you know who is currently pregnant or maybe wanting to become pregnant and spread the word about hypnobirthing. I think it's super impactful for people. It was for me. And um, I would love to see that kind of spread out into the world and if you really really like the show head over to itunes and leave us a rating and review it would mean so much to me and get the show kind of a broader scope bigger audience so what's would, would be awesome thanks a lot and we'll see you next time